Part 1. The Soul The Soul Purification Among the amazing aspects of Islam is that physical purification is mandatory, guiding the Muslim to reach an intrinsic purity by fulfilling an act of worship, in addition to the requirement of external cleanliness. Purifying oneself from every form of filth is a rite of worship in itself, with resounding effects on the soul's well-being. The great Muslim scholar of philosophy and spirituality, Abu Hamad al-Ghazali, points out, The most pressing matter is the secret inner purification, as it is impossible when the Prophet ﷺ said, Purity is one half of faith. That he meant that to focus on cleaning the body with water and soap while polluting one's soul and leaving it filled with filth and corruption. Al-Ghazali mentioned that there are four levels of purification. Purifying the body from impurities, purifying the limbs from sins, purifying the heart from reprehensible behaviors and vices, and purifying one's inner focus from everything but God. This highest level of purity is attained by the prophets and the individuals who embodied the truth, or the Siddiqun. Purification is a means to God's love. With physical and spiritual purity, those who purify themselves earn God's love. God says, In it are men who love to be purified, and Allah loves those who purify themselves. Holy Quran, chapter 9, verse 108. This love from God for His servants brings a sense of clarity and etherealness to their souls. This lightness of soul, resulting from physical purification and God's love, is a comfort within the chests, a relief from anxiety, a gratification of spirit, and a delight within the heart. Wudu washes away sin. Wudu is the basic ritual of purification in Islam, performed before acts of worship, and involves washing the hands, mouth, nostrils, face, arms, head, and feet with water. Performing the act of wudu brings the soul back to a state of purity from the sins that it has committed. This is mentioned in the narration collected by Malik and Nasa'i and Ibn Majah, and reported by the companion Abdullah ibn As-Sunaybihi, wherein the Prophet ﷺ said, When a believing servant makes wudu and rinses his mouth, wrongdoings leave from his mouth. And when he rinses his nose, wrongdoings leave from his nose. And when he washes his face, wrongdoings leave from his face, even emerging from under his eyelids. Then when he washes his hands, the wrongdoings leave from his hands, even emerging from under his fingernails. And when he wipes his head, the wrongdoings leave from his head, even emerging from his ears. And when he washes his feet, wrongdoings leave from his feet, even emerging from under his toenails. His walk to the mosque and his prayer are then additional rewards for him. Furthermore, Al-Bukhari and Muslim report from Uthman ibn Affan that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Never does a Muslim person make wudu, striving for excellence therein, and then praise a prayer except that he is forgiven for whatever is between that prayer and the one that follows it. Thus we see that the act of wudu can be a means for the soul to return to being pure, like a stained garment becoming clean and bright again after being washed. Purification inspires remembrance. The link between acts of ritual purification and the heartwarming, soul-soothing remembrance of God is made clear in many hadiths. 
Imam Muslim reports with a claim from Anas ibn Malik that whenever the Prophet ﷺ would enter the washroom, he would say, Allah, I take refuge from you from all evil and filthy things. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khaba'ith. When he exited the bathroom, he would then rush to remember God saying, Your forgiveness, ghufranak, or all praise be to God who cleans me of filth and kept me healthy. In another hadith collected by Imam Ahmad and Ibn Majah with a claim from Abu Hurairah, the Prophet ﷺ said, There is no prayer for anyone who is not in a state of wudu, and there is no wudu for anyone who does not remember God thereupon. Imam Muslim reports with a chain from Umar ibn al-Khattab, may God be pleased with him, that the Prophet ﷺ said, There is not a single person amongst you, who makes wudu, doing so thoroughly, and then says, I testify that there is nothing worthy of worship but God, alone, without any partners, and I testify that Muhammad is his servant and messenger, except that the eight doors to paradise are open for him to enter from any of them he wishes. This immense reward for what seems to be simple words of prayer should be seen as low-hanging fruit, and any sound-minded individual would focus their efforts to harvest it. Yet these rewards will not be reached by the one who is unmindful, who is made by shaitan to be heedless of God's remembrance, thereby causing his heart to harden, his soul to weaken, and his chest to fill with worry, grief, and distress. This heedless individual will sink from joy to misery, and will have no peace of mind, regardless of his worldly efforts, unless he returns to God, the exalted, in remembrance of him with his heart, his soul, his limbs, and his tongue. Purification emits light. Purity is one of the signs by which the believers will be recognized on the Day of Judgment. Without it, the believers and disbelievers would look the same on the Day of Judgment. But washing oneself and performing wudu will summon a glowing light to the face, hands, and feet, through which the righteous will be distinguished from those who will be dark and gloomy. Al-Bukhari and Muslim both report that the Prophet ﷺ said, you will be the ones who will be shining from the heads and limbs on the Day of Judgment from making wudu thoroughly. So anyone with the capability amongst you should then extend the shining of his head and limbs. The long shiny marks on the heads and limbs will be glowing indicators, radiating light on the Day of Judgment. This is also how the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ will be attained on the Day of Judgment. Purification, even for the deceased. A major sign that purifying the body is linked to purifying the soul is that the act of purification is not limited to the living. It is our duty to wash even the dead. Imam al-Kasani, a Hanafi scholar of Islamic law, said that washing the deceased has been a duty from our prophet Adam until this very day. The prolific Andalusian scholar and polymath Ibn Hazm said, Washing each deceased Muslim is an absolute obligation. Even if he has already been buried without being washed, he must be dug up. This emphasis on being cleansed at death is due to the fact that the deceased is moving forward to God. No Muslim can escape this reality, and so anyone who is coming before him should present themselves in the most beautiful image with the utmost purity. There is, however, one exception, wherein the deceased is cleansed through an action rather than with water, and through sacrifice rather than through being washed, the martyr. This is someone who offered their soul exclusively to Allah, hoping for martyrdom, wishing desperately for Allah's mercy, paradise, and His pleasure. 
Even if a martyr is covered in blood, he is not to be washed. Though blood is usually counted as an impure substance, all of that falls to the wayside in the face of this metaphysical purification through which the martyr arrives at their Lord. There is no need to wash the bodies of martyrs, and they are to be buried as they were killed. They will meet their Lord covered in the color of blood, but exuding the scent of musk. Allah will boast of them to his servants that these are the martyrs who offered up their souls and wealth for Allah. Purification is a lesson in submission. Many rules of the ritual acts of purification are meant to teach submission to God's command without hesitation. Even if your mind cannot ascertain the wisdom of a specific act, your heart must submit because it is the truth and it is the ultimate good. For instance, someone who cannot find any water must perform the act of tayammum. At face value, it seems like nothing more than rubbing earthly soil on only some of the limbs involved in wudu, but it is an act of purification nonetheless, and even suffices someone from having to wash their whole body after being in a state of major ritual impurity, or janabah. When Ammar ibn Yasid encountered this issue of being in a state of major ritual impurity in the absence of water, he rationally came to the conclusion that he must perform tayammum by rolling around in the soil to suffice for washing his whole body with water. But he was mistaken. This extra measure was uncalled for. Tayammum is meant to be purely a matter of worship through which one submission to Allah is expressed. It is an expression of trust and certainty, and a sign that one's heart is free from the satanic whispers that cause some to only comply with what their intellect can rationalize and that which their heart is comfortable. This lesson can also be seen in other rulings regarding purification. In wiping over the top of your socks during wudu and not the bottom, in the seemingly adventitious status of purity for some types of water over others, and in the requirement for making wudu after flatulence, urination, defecation, and the secretion of pre-seminal fluid while a complete washing of the whole body, like ghusl, is required for the secretion of semen. Semen is technically less impure than feces, but we pay deference to God's knowledge over all else. In ritual acts of purification, we journey from insisting on certainty of the intellect to striving for the submission of our hearts. By observing and pondering over God's majestic universe, the subtleties of the world's inner workings, and the miracle of the Qur'an, we come to the reassuring conclusion that we must submit in theory and practice to any part of the scripture that is confirmed to be authentic.